today I am bringing you a, a word that is entitled Hide or Seek. So hide and seek, not to be confused with the popular children's game of hide and seek. No, that, not that. I remember the Lord says that, um, that, that we know there's nowhere on this earth that you can hide from him. He knows wherever you are, you are in plain sight. So um, when I was a child, I'm not going to do that. I, when, back in the days when the summers were long and the holidays seemed even longer and the sun was always shining, when I was a child, it always, and when people used to go out and play sports together on the fields or play hide and seek or 40 40 scat or other games, make a camp up, basically be out there in creation playing. And more than that, they used to talk face to face, one, one to another. Where nowadays, with the advent of uh, the internet, of social media, of computers, of iPads. There's so much noise, there's so much confusion and there's not a shut-off point. People are more likely to communicate over an iPad or something than they are face-to-face, -face, especially with the younger generation. Things don't seem to be as simple as they once were. I will, in way of kicking this story off, because otherwise I'm, I don't want to stall, I will give you a bit of me here. Uh, when I was younger, we used to have two rabbits, one called Cloudy and one called Snowy. I bet you can't guess what Snowy, colour Snowy was. <laughs> and Cloudy too, he was... He was white with a grey cloud on him. And <clears throat> Jeanette, could you get me a glass of water, please, darling? Sorry. One day, unfortunately, a neighbour's dog managed to jump over the fence, and his name was Sabre, so it'll give you some ideas of uh, what his nature was. And he got into the rabbit run, and unfortunately, that was the end of the rabbits. So time went by a little and my, my dad and mum then announced that new rabbits were going to arrive or should I say one new rabbit. I, um, as a child, just how we can be with, with Father God sometimes, we don't pay the attention, we don't live up to the things that we, we should be doing. We don't honour him enough. We don't spend enough time with him. We don't seek him enough. Hence the name of this, uh, Hide and Seek, um, of this sermon. So when uh, it came to the rabbits being replaced, I was most, thank you, Alex, I was most upset to be told that because of how I had treated my old rabbit, I wasn't having a new one, but my sister was. My sister was and still is a very 
was a good girl, and she still is a good girl. A bit older, but she's still good. She always, she would, she would be there feeding the rabbit when it needed feeding her rabbit, cleaning them out, loving them. Me, the equivalent of social media and those computer games we're all on nowadays, I would be in my bedroom playing on the worktop with my plastic toy soldiers for ages, and I would, my sister would do it for me because I wouldn't necessarily um, feel the need to go out and sort the rabbits out. So the decision was made, like, Simon, because you, when you can show that you can look after a rabbit by looking after Samantha's rabbit and sharing it with her, then you can have another rabbit of your own. Now, needless to say, I was devastated. How unjust, how unfair, how, how cruel. How could my parents do that to me? I thought. But sometimes, sometimes, hindsight is insight and I can see the reason. And Father God can be like this when he puts us through a time of trial or testing to teach us a lesson. So there's me. Anyway, that isn't, this is, it's quite funny, really, like when I look back. <laughs> It might not sound it, but I, um, I was so enraged and indignant and upset and envious that I stormed off to my bedroom, slammed the door, and then proceeded to, because I couldn't lock myself in, I proceeded to drag out all the uh, toy boxes from under the bed and stack them up the door so my parents couldn't break through to me. And it was a bit silly, really, because they were so heavy. I made so much noise and clattering. And not only that, it was those uh, doors that were so popular back in the 70s, glass ones, with looked like round bottles on the bottom of them. And you could see straight through. And, and the final thing that I thought this will really get them and make them feel bad and guilty was that I wrote a note about how I was running away. I'm going to run away. You will never see me again. You'll be sorry, you don't love me. You love Sam, but not me. And I stuck it face first on the glass so my parents could read it from the outside. And then, to make matters worse, it was, I think it, it must have been, I don't know, in the summer, but it still gets cold in the summer. But what I decided not to do, for effect, because it would make them feel really bad, was not wear a shirt. So I, I, in shorts, just shorts, and whatever I had on my feet, I don't remember, I've jumped out of the bedroom window, which, it was a bungalow, <laughs> just to make you aware, and I ran up, scampered off up the drive, and then ran a few hundred yards down, down the road, and there was an alley that led to the fields behind, behind our house where we used to live, because I lived in the country, and then I've come along the back fields, all, all commando-like, thinking this is it. And I thought, well, where's a good place for me to hide? I know I'll sneak back in the garden from the back way and then spy on them and see their suffering and torment. <laughs> and so what I did, I mean, the fence was six foot at the bottom of the garden, and they probably even saw me do, doing that. But I clambered over the fence, and where did I hide? In the rabbit hutch, yeah. <laughs> I thought, because the new rabbit hadn't arrived yet. So I've, I've gone, I've, I've uh, undone, because my dad was a carpenter and he made this quite a large triangular rabbit hutch and I climbed in and I've gone into the bedding compartment, which was still cramped, and I, I've hidden in there and then I kept looking out through the chicken wire 
at my mum and dad carrying and sister carrying on as normal <laughs> in the kitchen. And I'm there and I'm peering thinking, what's the matter? They don't care. They don't even love me, look. But I was stubborn and I was stiff-necked. I wouldn't take that I needed to learn a lesson. A bit like sometimes God can be with us when we don't maybe take notice when we've done something and he just wants to correct us a bit. He, the, the Lord chastens, scolds, tells off those whom he loves. All right? So I'm hiding in this rabbit hutch and then it started getting colder. So then I started shivering because I decided not to wear a top. And then I'm getting more and more miserable. I'm getting cramped because I'm bent double like this. I was there for hours because I was stubborn. And then eventually, I've crept out of the rabbit hutch and then sheepishly gone to the back door and knocked. And then then what was I expecting? I'm expecting sort of love to be lavished on me and whatnot, a bit like the the prodigal returning, the prodigal son. But... um, my mum was like that. She straight away put the top on me, I recall, and then led me, gave me a hug and led me to the table to eat because I was hungry. But my dad then went with my goodbye note that I'd written. <laughs> and he's come up to me because I was appalling at spelling and I couldn't read. And he's gone, OK, glad you're back, but... This is spelt wrong, that's spelt wrong, this is wrong, that should be a this and that and the other. And I'm, I'm left there like, what? And then made it worse. He said, until you can read and write, you're not leaving that table. And you're not watching television, you're doing nothing until you can read and write. I mean, that's a bit of a tall order, isn't it? Like, from, from, uh, from that... But, you, you, but the, the point being is of this whole story, there is a point to it, believe me, is that um, my mother was just so full of love and, and that she would just embrace me and forgive me most things because that's how she was. That was her love. So but I remember, um, you know, she, she used to just sort of, yeah, I was a mummy's boy, I guess. So anyway... The, the, but there was a reason that, I, that my dad then was so harsh with me. I can remember looking at her face, looking a bit hurt, because she thought he was being nasty. But actually he wasn't, because he, he knew where I was coming from. He had me sussed a long time. And uh, the, the reason I couldn't read and write was because I, when I was um, very young, I had TB. And back in those days, it was something that could... Um, could uh, sort of finish you off. So uh, I've decided when, when I, I got about 18 months to two years off school because, and I was on two-thirds of each of my lungs are pretty wrecked, they're all scarred. So and that's to this day, whenever I go to the hospital for x-rays, I go, <gasps> but, but it's fine, it's all good. But, thank God, but... Um, so my dad has looked at me and he's gone, he's got me sus because what happened was when I did eventually return to school, I wasn't allowed to do um, any languages or anything. So I got out of all these hard subjects and they stuck me in this remedial class where I had to do catch up and I sussed on that, hey, all I've got to do in this class is draw a picture 
and write a title underneath it. So to me, that was, that was a dream, you know, it's easy. But I, I remember overhearing my mum talking to the teacher and going on about how I struggle, and I do perfectly remember. So under the, under the picture, you'd write a few sentences about what you'd written. I would purposely misspell it because I didn't want to have to face up to uh, the hard challenges of life. And lo and behold, when I was um, at the table, I did literally learn to read and write in 20 minutes. It all turned around because really it was there and I was denying it because I was looking for a way out. It's a bit like um, the, the, the beggar at the pool in Bethsaida who was injured and couldn't go into the pool when Jesus says to him, do you want to be healed? Are you sure you want to be like this? You know it's going to change. It must have been a bit like that. So, yeah, that was that. I suddenly learnt to read. And you know, you know what, how that looks to me is that um, this sermon, Hide and Seek, sometimes we think we're clever. I mean, if, you, if all of you think about either a, a child, you know, maybe... Uh, a brother or sister for you youngsters, or maybe you remember back, or, um, yeah, children or grandchildren for us older ones. But you know that one they do where they go and they think you can't see them. Because they can't see you, they think you can't see them. So it's a bit like that, or can be like that with us and God, because I think sometimes... You know, what is he? He's, he's om, omnipotent, which means all-powerful. He's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. And he's omniscient, which means he knows everything. So there's no getting away from our God. But sometimes I think we, we try in... Um, here, I've got a couple of scriptures, which is a good thing, isn't it? Right, the first one is Jeremiah 23, 24. In fact, quite a few of them are in Jeremiah, so it's quite handy. Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him? declares the Lord. Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord. There's no getting away from our God. And then, then back a bit in the same book, Jeremiah 16, 17. For my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from my face, nor is their iniquity hidden from my eyes. So, pretty much, when, when we uh, think we're hiding from God, it, it, we can be hiding, it, we're hiding in plain sight. We can be hiding, because he knows whatever we're doing, Wherever we are, whatever we're at, wherever we are, you know, whatever's going on in our lives, he is there beside us. Because it is encouraging when we read 
And when we hear Jesus' own words, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is wonderful. He is there through everything. But then, is there not a bit of a reverse side to that? Because if we do something wrong, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. So he is there while we're doing that which is wrong. He is beside us. Yes, he will forgive when, as, we, as we've been reiterating again and again. Keep a short account with the Lord. If you do something wrong, bring it to him. Repent. But do it with a surrendered heart. Be in a place of submission where you mean it. Not glibly. Otherwise, it will be ignored, I think. So, uh, yeah, that should, if ever you are tempted in any way, shape or form, to sin, as do all, or do something wrong, be it looking at the wrong thing on TV or on the internet or reading the wrong thing or acting in a wrong way. Or bear in mind that he's there with you. I find that is a good backstop which stops me and prevents me. And do you know, because believe it or not, I do still sin, but... The, um, It's sort of like uh, I, a, a few years back, I was uh, tempted when I was doing a job and someone said to me, oh, how much for cash? Now, I sort of thought, oh, well, whatever. And I don't know why I did it. It's the first time I've done any such thing since. But I struck a, a cash deal in my mind, I was thinking, it's okay, because I can still pay tax. It gets me the job, and it'll be all right, and I'll do it in giving, and this, that, and the other. I was just working around it in my head. But that very night, because, you know, God speaks to me in dreams and visions and that sort of thing. The Lord, I was a child, and he's, Jesus walked up beside me and took me by the shoulders, like you do a child, and he walked me along. and took me before the person that I accepted the cash off and he's gone you're my child yeah. this is my child but they don't know me you do what do you think you have done what are you showing them you're just like the world that's how it was and do you know I had quite a period of I'm not because Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you and he is always with you. But I could feel it was if I'm there talk, when I'm talking to him and praying and he was looking out the corner of his eye at me, listening, but not happy with me. Because don't forget, it says in, I think it's in Romans, that uh, in, the, in the context of... Uh, temple prostitutes so if you go with a prostitute because you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you whatever you do you're making God part of that now that is frightening that is something which is appalling so uh, that, that in mind I, I've done this wrong and but do you know the pleasure the other pleasure is the flip side of it which is the good side which is a few months back I went to price another job it's quite a big job and then I've walked on and they've done the same thing. They've gone, 
well, do a cash deal. How much we do it for cash? And I just straight away just went, no, I don't do cash. It's against my beliefs and I'm a Christian. I won't do that. And they went, oh, okay. And I still got the job. And not only that, he then confided in me. He went, oh, when it was Easter, I got fed up with all the Easter eggs, so I told them the real meaning of Easter. So there's a blessing in that. And that night, when I went to bed, I've walked... Well, I'm not literally... The God's throne room isn't in my bedroom. But when I've gone to bed, I've walked into the throne room in a, in a dream vision thing again. And I'm, I'm down on the floor, standing. Well, in fact, I was about that big, and God was sort of, like, amazingly huge. And he's on the throne, and then he took the trouble to get off the throne and lean down on one knee to me and smile and touch me and well done my son and I could feel his pleasure and the restoration within that so it is true if you think about what should we say I'm going to stay here for a sec if we think about the prodigal son uh, Luke 15 you don't have to look it up unless you want to. But within that story, it's multifaceted. Yes, we've got the good father. We've got the prodigal son who's gone off and blown the father's wealth on high living and has been totally disrespectful. And I should have taken my phone out of my pocket. Um, and, but then we've got the elder brother. Now, the elder brother is hidden in plain sight. Because you can hear the hurt in God's voice when he, when he comes to the son and says, like when, when, the, when, the, when the older son moans, but you've got the fatted calf out and you've given him the slipper and you've given him the robe and the family ring and you've given him this, that and the other. And that's not fair because he's done this, that and the other. And I've been good and I've done everything and you've, I've got nothing. You've never done that for me. And he looks at him and goes, my son, everything I have is yours. And sometimes that can be us. We're, we're in his presence, but we're not pressing in. We're not reaching for everything that he has that he can give us. Um, and we're, we're, we're like that. Whereas, you know, that was why the joy, that's how much he loves us. He's, don't forget, in a culture where, you know, you honoured your mother and father. I mean, that's one of the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Honour thy mother and father. That prodigal son disrespected his father so badly that he should have, well, he should have had hell to pay. But the father saw him on coming on the horizon. So how long did the father stare at that horizon? And not only that, he's staring because he's longing and he's waiting. And not only that, he also knows his gait, he knows his shape, he knows how he walks because he's unique, because he created and he knows it's him because he desires him, he loves him and because he comes back with a contrite heart, totally surrendered and goes to his father and said, against you, father, have I sinned. And But the father just runs to him and kisses and embraces him because the word that's used there, a Greek word, is proskino. And proskino means to run towards and to kiss and to embrace. That's what it means. And that is what the father does at that point. He throws everything to the side. And then if you think of another one, you think of Martha and Mary. I mean, there, you've got Jesus, the living God, 
in your house, in the room. You're both there. How do you think you would behave if you had Jesus in the room with you? Would you potter about doing housework? Would you think, I think I'll get on with the housework. I'll, I'll listen half-heartedly. I'll, I'll listen from one ear. What Maine I prayed out earlier spoke really clearly because it is sort of uh, about being half-hearted because that is part of... I'm, I might, incidentally, I will keep going till about 5 to 12 and then I'll have to stop because when I was preparing this, there's so much poured in that I don't think I'll get it all out. I will try it. But... Um, yeah. So, yeah, with Martha and Mary, you've got Jesus there in your house, in the room. Mary does what well, I would imagine we would all want to do. Sit at the Lord's feet and look into his face and receive that teaching. We say, what a moment. How can you miss this? And yet you've got Martha wandering about, cleaning up, tidying up, who then comes and in the same way bitterly sort of says, Lord, is that fair that she sits there and listens to you while I get on with all the work? Shouldn't she be doing this, that and the other? And he goes, Martha, she has chosen the better thing. It's of course that is the better thing. But So Martha at that point is hidden in plain sight. She knows him, she's got him, she's got as much as Mary, but Mary gets it, but she doesn't. And we can be like that. We've got him. We have him. He is ours. He is ours and we are his. I am my beloved's and he is mine. But sometimes we do not step into that. Sometimes we just hang about on the periphery, taking second best. I mean, I know that with both those parables, they were aimed, or not parables, but both those stories, one being a parable, that they were aimed maybe... Duly, multifaceted again, because that's how you can take parables in many situations. You can take them personally, you can take them at the time, and you can take them now. Because God, God's word is living, it's alive today, tomorrow, and yesterday. And it will always be, and it will always speak fresh. But anyway, yes, it can be taken that Jesus was talking to the religious, the people of the day, the Sadducees and the Pharisees who had not only gone through the Ten Commandments, but wrote another 613 to go with them, because that's what they were into. They were, so Martha's work equates to that. And uh, the elder son, that, you know, the Pharisees have God, but they're not realising who he is. They're still living under an old covenant. They're not stepping into what is new. Because there was the Edenic covenant which was established in the Garden of Eden, which was broken when, when the fall came, when we ate of the one tree. And then after that was the Adamic covenant, which was then broken. When um, a new one was established, when our Lord Jesus Christ came along. And we are under that new covenant. Not to say... That isn't to say that everything's been dropped. Where's my glasses? I've dropped them. <laughs> there they are. Because, so the two that about hiding from uh, God that I spoke earlier, there's also, so this is New Covenant, unknown author, so you know what book it is. It's Hebrews 4.13. So the same things still apply. 
And so you can say that's old covenant, but this sort of confirms that, we're, you know, there is still expectations. We are expected to be pure and holy, for he is holy. We are expected to be righteous, but anyway. But the thing is, we have that grace that comes into play, which is a big plus sign. And there is no creature, it reads, hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to him, the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So it's the same then. And the, the one that is more shocking is what Jesus says in Luke 8, verse 17, the one that we know. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, will not be brought to light, nor is anything hidden that shall not be uncovered. And that's talking now. That's talking now. So we still have a holy and righteous God. But thank God for grace. Thank God for that. Right. Let's visit the Garden of Eden. So if we go to turn to Genesis, Genesis uh, 2. And we'll start at Genesis 2, verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from there it parted and became four river heads. And then if we go up to verse 15 from there, this is just to get it in your heart, and then I'll just give you the insight, which we all know anyway, I think. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the, God, the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Now, here we have it, we're at the beginning of creation. Everything is untarnished. It's very good, in fact. God announces that. Look at the love of the Father and the relationship. You can sort of, the provision is given, all the trees are grown for food for the man to eat. I mean, God... God has, you know, within the Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit, he discusses, you know, the, the creation. And then 
he, like, like the father that he is, he takes, you can imagine it with a little child, where now we might get a book or an encyclopedia and open it up and sit there looking at the animals, but they're already named, but all these amazing animals in creation. At that time, they didn't exist. So as he's creating them, there's Adam. I'll almost imagine him, or maybe I'm going a step too far, with him upon his knee, with him in joy and laughing. Oh, what are you going to call this one? Oh, I think that's an elephant. <laughs> that's an elephant. Well, what about this? Oh, that's a crocodile. Yeah, we'll call that. Okay, we'll call it a crocodile. Uh, well, what about that? That's a sea lion. Yeah, we'll call it a sea lion. And I can imagine the joy and the provision. And, and, and he's, he's, so he's put... And he's given him stewardship over the garden. He's given him, and that's, that's a trust there. I trust you to look after my creation, to look after the plants, the trees, the animals, everything, you name them. That, there's a great relationship going on here. And then not only that, but God within the Godhead knowing that, yes, he is one God, but with Father, Son and Spirit in that eternal dance that's been going on from creation to now and before creation, because he always has been, but they know that they thrive on relationship one to another. And knowing that we are made in his image, we need the same thing. So yes, it was sufficient that we have God, but he goes, it's, it's not good that man be alone. Because he knows that for him, for them, however it works, totally we don't know. But we know it's true. Do we know it's true? We do. He uh, knows that man needs a helpmate, a, a mate, a friend. So he creates Eve. And then there's the two of them. And that's lovely. That is what a picture of God. So he gives them everything they need. Like a good father, I can imagine him laughing and chuckling with Adam about what these animals being called. And he loves him. He loves him so much. Nothing's come between them. And then without actually reading it, but we then know about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that he's told not to eat. That's, that's akin to um, us. when we, If your child stepped off the path into the road and he was going to get knocked down, you would whip him back. In fact, I remember my mother doing that and I received a, a sharp slap on my calf, which was a good thing because it, it makes you aware of what the real damage is where... And, and you step back from it. So a stern warning, as a parent does as well, is issued to them. But then we know, we know what happens. They, they eat of the one tree. They eat of knowledge. I, I will even refer it back to, you know on a lot of our phones and on, on our computers, the one tree, you know uh, iPhones, they've got the, well, the Apple sign with the bite out of it, haven't they? Well, they are. There it is. Knowledge. Good and evil, and that certainly it brings good, but it also brings evil, which is is what that is. Anyway, so if we look at um, now, turn to Genesis three, verse eight, and this is so sad, really. So this is after, obviously, Satan, the serpent, has done. Is bad, and we are left in the midst. Anyway, I'll read it. 
of the, of the aftermath. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What's happened? Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? So he said, I I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I won't go beyond that because we don't need to. You can sense the disappointment. I can sense the broken heart within Father God because his boy has let him down. He's gone. And done. I know God knows everything. I know that before the foundation of the wall of the world, that he um, foundation of the wall. That's because I do building. That, um, that he had set the things in motion that God, that Jesus, God the Son would redeem us and, and build a way back to Him. But at this point, there's that disappointment he's 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 done it you think of it they've blown suddenly i mean it says we were afraid we uh, we heard uh, then uh, he said i heard your voice in the garden and i was afraid he's never been scared of his dad before because he's never done wrong he's never been ashamed He's, he's never known that so this is something new that has been added But of course we know that Jesus made a way back, like even at that point, that our gracious God made a way back, that we can be reunited with him. So, like, you know, we we can get it all right. Right, I am getting towards 5 to 12 now, and I am in the middle, so I'm going to have to, to pull it there. But I will continue next time because there's also the joy of the next part. That's the hide. But then there's the seek. The seek, the joy of seeking the Lord, the joy of relationship, the joy of prayer, the joy of drawing close to him because my people will seek me and they will find me when they seek me with all of their heart. Because God doesn't do halves. He's got to be wholehearted all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength, everything. Be holy because I am holy. If you trip, if you slip, I will extend my hand. I will forgive you. I will give you another chance because I am graceful and I am benevolent. And you are my child. And as we love our children, so the Father loves us. But I believe that will only go so long. Right. So I'll just finish on this at the moment then. Sorry about that. Psalm 63.1 says, Oh God, you are my God. This is David, man after God's own heart, who stumbled, but he came back strong. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I would like to 
encourage all of you that if you feel there is anything in any way, shape or form within your lives that is causing you to be hidden from God because you don't want to be hiding from God, you want to be hiding in him. He is your tower, he is your shield, he is your fortress, he is everything to you. So if there's anything on anyone's heart, anyone would like to come forward for prayer at the end, I say to you, please do, for your sake. Thank you.